may be seated as we pray together this morning. Lord, we come before you this morning, humbled at the foot of your cross, rejoicing because of your goodness and your greatness, because of your might and your power, because of your justness and your righteousness. And Lord, we come before you this morning to praise you for that, to thank you for that, or to recognize that even though we are sinful people, that you love us and that you've come to us and brought us to you. And so, Lord, as we continue to talk about and encourage each other in, in how we can be your uh, light shining into this world, um, Lord, I pray that you would um, just uh, conform our hearts and our minds uh, to your will in our lives, Lord. Help us to understand uh, what it means to uh, be a light to this world and help us to understand uh, the true source and, and foundation for that light. And so, Lord, as we continue to gather and to sing your praises and to pray together and, and talk through your word together. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would just bless our time today, that you would reach out and bring us closer to you, that we may know you more and love you more. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. At, the time, at this time, the kids can be dismissed for Children's Church. Well, good morning, everyone. As we uh, finalize our missions conference uh, today, we have three missionaries that we're going to be featuring this morning. Uh, our first up will be Annalisa Kelly with H2O Church of Kalamazoo. Uh, they're focusing on an international ministry on the campus of Western Michigan University. So Annalisa will be coming up uh, first of all, and then followed by our very own Tim Peterson, who'll be sharing about Tacticum ministry, and uh, looking forward to hearing more about that. And then... We have uh, Scott and Sharon Gilbertson with us. Scott's going to come a little bit later and Cheryl, share a little bit uh, from Rural Bible Ministries. So uh, with that, I'd like to invite Annalisa to come forward and come share what's going on on Western's campus. Hello, Oakwood. Is that... Hi. Uh, okay, good. I always double-check the slides are going. Uh, <laughs> Hi, my name is Annalisa Kelly, and it's been two years since I was last here. And when I was thinking about coming and sharing today, I was like, how do I summarize two years of ministry in five minutes? So there will be some pictures in the background for you to enjoy as I talk. Uh, and a lot has happened in two years. Uh, one thing is, I got married, so my name has changed. My husband, Ian, is over there. Uh, he's a full-time grad student, so one of the unexpected blessings of church planting on a college campus. Still got to meet my future spouse. <laughs> uh, on top of that, we were able to buy a house just down the street from some of the dorms where students are able to walk over to our house and join us for meals and uh, Sunday afternoons, which has been a lot of fun. And then thirdly, uh, we've been launching an international ministry within H2O Church uh, on campus. So H2O Church, our hope and mission and vision is to be a church on campus for college students of whatever background that they are from. Uh, but I personally just love international students, and as time has gone on, that's been able to grow within our church. We started off with just three Malaysian students our first year there, uh, and we grew into having an afternoon Sunday lunch for some of our Southeast Asian students, and then last year, we launched our first international Bible study, which then this year grew into two international Bible studies. 
So the Lord has been faithful, even in the midst of a lot of challenges and a pandemic where we were mostly meeting on Zoom all of last year, including for our Sunday services. Uh, or if the weather was nice, we'd meet outside, wear our jackets, and just pray for really good weather. Uh, and it's amazing to see that despite all those challenges, the Lord has continued to move and work on campus. Uh, and in particular, one of the gifts of being connected to you as a local church is that we've had unique opportunities to partner together. Uh, and some of that has looked like providing meals. So last year, Oakwood helped us provide over 100 individually packaged Thanksgiving meals to be handed out to students. And it was amazing because uh, we put like little notes in there saying like, hey, we are thinking of you, praying for you, uh, people care about you. Uh, and there was a little survey in there where people could fill it out, expressing interest in connecting more with us. Well, one of the students who filled that out, her name is E, and she's from Myanmar. And last year was her first year here, and it was really hard because there was no one that she could meet. She was just isolated to her apartment. And because of those Thanksgiving meals, we got to connect with her. Oh, there's some pictures happening right now about the Thanksgiving meals. Um, and through, those, through that connection, we'd be able to meet with her and share a little bit about who God is. Um, she's from Myanmar, which I don't know if you guys know the news right now, but Myanmar is in the midst of a military coup. Um, and there's like legit, every time, <laughs> uh, uh, like fear for their families. And she doesn't know the Lord. And there's such a beautiful opportunity when students come from all over the world, when they come from countries that might not be easy for us to get into there. And we have an opportunity to share the gospel with her and dream of the hope of what it could look like for the gospel to go to those nations. <laughs> um, and through her, we got to meet more Myanmar students, which has also been a gift to continue uh, connecting with more and more people that we wouldn't have otherwise. And so again, thank you for helping us provide those meals, because that's just one story that I can share that has been impacted by you personally being involved with us. On top of that, we've, uh, with our international ministry, we have a student named Janasia who has joined us. She's not international. Her name, uh, she's from Texas. Uh, we, we sometimes joke that it's like another country, but in reality, she's, she's one of us. And, and it's been really cool to see her heart uh, just grow for international students. She is studying Japanese and hopes to next year be studying abroad in Japan. And through her, like, she's been, uh, she just has a fire for the Lord and wants other students to know who God is, because her life has changed so much since she's been here. Um, and with that, she, like, even this past Friday, we did a Thanksgiving meal uh, on campus, and she invited the whole Japanese club to come and join us. And I got to meet multiple students that, again, we wouldn't have otherwise met if it wasn't for the Lord's work in our students' lives and them inviting their friends. Uh, and so the Lord has been good. He has been faithful. He's continued to work in our ministry, uh, and it is a gift to be on campus. And um, there are so many ways that you can continue to partner with us as we do this. Um, we love to continue providing meals or rides, or if one of you guys wants to open a home for like Thanksgiving or Christmas, there are students who are isolated to their dorms all of Christmas break, and don't, they don't even provide food for them, so they like buy a lot of meals out. Uh, and so there's just unique opportunities with you guys being so close to, to be with us in our ministry. Uh, and... I went much faster this time, so I'm like just trying to like go through as the slides keep going, <laughs> but we're almost there. Um, yeah, I'm just so thankful for you guys, uh, thankful for the ways the Lord is working, and uh, students are knowing the Lord and sharing the gospel and inviting their friends, uh, and to exist as a church that has only been here four years 
and survived a pandemic without a building, uh, it's been a gift. And so thank you so much for all that you guys do. And uh, love to chat more. I'll be out in the lobby after this, and we can, you can hear more about what we do. Thank you, Annalisa, and uh, all the awesome work that's going on up at Western with H2O Church. Uh, it is a privilege to support that ministry. So, uh, Hi, good morning. Uh, my name is Tim Peterson. Most of you know who I am, uh, and that I've been involved with a ministry called Tactica, uh, which uh, I was reminded in the first service I, I didn't let you know what Tactica stands for, and it is uh, Teaching Authorities Christian Truths in Central America. Uh, over the years, uh, they've also expanded into uh, Ecuador, which is not Central America, technically speaking, but it is uh, Northern South America. So uh, I'm here to represent uh, that ministry. Uh, like me, there are um, many, many uh, other individuals across the country who have been involved in short-term missions um, and volunteering time and helping training uh, police officers and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ in the country of Costa Rica and, as I mentioned, also Ecuador. So just a brief uh, update on what's happening with our supportive missionaries, Ryan and Gretchen Rott, uh, and their two kiddos, which have now fully flown the coop and uh, are actively enrolled, uh, both of them, at a uh, well-known university here in the United States, Adriana and Miranda. Um, they have uh, been integral in uh, and living in the field with their parents uh, as part of this ministry uh, over the years, which um, uh, Oakwood, I believe, has supported um, financially and through your uh, prayer warrior support since 2008. Uh, and I have been uh, privileged to be part of that ministry also since 2009. So here's your missionaries. Uh, they are currently back in Costa Rica right now. Uh, but uh, brief uh, geography lesson here, Central America. Works your way down. Little green uh, guy there in the middle is Costa Rica. Um, the ministry center in there, the Ross residence, is in this, the capital city of San Jose, which is a beautiful city surrounded by mountains and uh, active volcanoes. So it's um, uh, a great place to visit. It's wonderful. Uh, Spanish, of course, is spoken there primarily. So let's uh, just take a look at uh, April of this year, uh, which was to be dedicated for relaunching or restarting um, a, a five-week program, a massive course that they call the uh, uh, Tactical Patrol Leaders uh, course that was going on last year, pre-pandemic. Uh, three out of the five modules uh, from January through May were taking place, and then uh, COVID hit. And so the last two modules uh, were canceled. Uh, no one's allowed in and out of the country. And as you know, uh, a myriad of challenges that we all faced uh, through 2020. So brief halt uh, in ministry and uh, lots of weirdness going on there. Uh, so this April was uh, to be dedicated to the re restarting of those two modules uh, and finishing with the same officers that had started last year um, but in the midst of all the planning and getting ready to launch that, uh, Costa Rica experienced some monsoon rains. Now, it, it rains a lot there. Right now, that's rainy season, day after day after day. We don't experience rain like they do there, uh, especially in the, the lower reaches uh, with um, the rainforest and that kind of thing. But the, the picture on the left is the little tiny trickle of a stream that normally runs by the ministry center, um, which is a, like a warehouse where we stay when we go for short term. Uh, and the Rots residence, now uh, overflowing its banks, eating away the banks, and uh, threatening to destroy not only the parking lot, but part of the structure and building. Uh, so, you know, challenges abound uh, in the mission field. And um, this next uh, slide here shows the blessing of many hands coming together uh, over an eight-week period to save um, the, that whole aspect of the ministry center 
I, I should point out that each one of these rocks, and there are literally thousands of them, uh, were handled one by one by a person. Okay, there's not heavy equipment to load all this stuff, shore up the banks, and it's a massive project. And so um, that was taking place at the same time in April that they're getting ready to uh, do this, this massive course. Uh, so here's a dispatch from uh, our missionary friends, and uh, God moved and provided all of this. And uh, if you're friends with them on Facebook or other social media, you'll know that they put out massive amounts of prayer requests. And God answered their prayer, and the rains ceased uh, primarily in the area that was needed to, to do this work. So uh, it's amazing when we go before the Lord how he will provide. So that's uh, April, and then as I mentioned, um, the Tactical Patrol Leaders course uh, continued, um, resuming from 2020. Uh, they were able to accomplish the last two modules and when I say modules, it's uh, about a week long, uh, every day for 10 hours a day in preparations. But the interesting thing is, um, normally in the past, and I was, uh, have been privileged to be part of these ministry activities, is that a cadre of police officers from the U.S. would come down and be your primary instructional group. There was no U.S. officers. So besides Ryan, the ministry and the uh, training was conducted by national leadership, which is a huge step forward. God is providing people who have a heart for and, and are on fire for Jesus, who have been saved through the ministry, to come along back and start making disciples from the disciples that were made. And that's what it's all about, right? Amen? So uh, here is national leadership, and this is a leadership course, and God's word is proclaimed throughout this course on a daily basis. Uh, one of the other large projects uh, that the Roths were able to accomplish uh, through God's provision is a enormous devotional written specifically to police officers. And uh, I've got copies of this back at the table. If you'd like to see um, the English or Spanish version, it is bilingual. Uh, every day, a little snapshot, every day, um, officers along with the training cadre open God's Word to start the day. And we walk them through tough questions and, and lead them uh, in building up with gospel presentations and allowing people to step aside and ask those questions and be ministered to outside of the training. And that's really what it's all about. Um, so here is uh, Costa Rican national leadership on their knees, going before the Lord, uh, asking for his help and provision through this course. And uh, that's what it's all about right there. Uh, another dispatch from Gretchen. I don't know if you can read it, but uh, complete, exclamation mark, times three. Five modules completed. Uh, Five months of gospel-centered conversations with these officers. The relief is huge that God has allowed us to make it through, and the officers did such a great job despite obstacles, setbacks, pandemic stressors, and, of course, thank you, Jesus. Um, so that's uh, April and May uh, of this year. Um, another uh, affirmation that the work is not uh, going unnoticed. And um, this is a, an officer uh, who was participant in that particular course, has gone back and is now putting into practice um, as a disciple of Jesus within his own unit. And he's leading, before their shift that day, he's leading them uh, by opening God's word and praying for them. And uh, that's an amazing affirmation uh, for missionaries who have been slugging it out for many years that um, their work is not in vain. So thank you, God. Uh, each year they uh, come home to Michigan. Michigan is their home base, and they come home uh, on furlough, uh, not for much rest, uh, missionaries in the room, or you've known missionaries, they come home and they give reports and they travel around, and if they're uh, short on support, they're, they're asking for prayer and, and financial help, 
Um, but uh, we had one near miss uh, with our dear, dear brother Ryan. Many of you don't know that he's uh, deathly allergic to bee stings and experiences anaphylactic shock almost immediately. Um, they also, uh, in the recent last couple of years, have been able to purchase a home here in Michigan. Normally they would come home on furlough and need to stay with someone, borrow a vehicle, and God has provided uh, tremendously in, in the way of a, a permanent home base for them to come home to. Uh, so they were there working on things, and one hornet uh, stung Ryan, and, and down he went. Uh, fortunately, the house is close to a fire station, EMS personnel. They were able to rush there. So this was just a thanks to all that were involved in saving, literally saving Ryan's life that day. And uh, we're thankful to the Lord that uh, he decided to keep him around for a little bit longer. So is Gretchen, by the way. Okay. Um, lots of uh, other activities throughout the summer. Uh, one most notable is uh, Tactical Ministries was the featured ministry at Maranatha Bible and Missionary Conference. Uh, and uh, that's a week-long um, missions focus. And uh, that's Ryan and Gretchen at their table with banners and so on. They were uh, privileged and, and blessed to bring home with them or to bring to the United States uh, several Costa Rican friends, uh, long-term friends and assets in the ministry along with several officers from this region who came up to join them to represent Tactica as well. Well, the work continues, so furlough is over, and uh, as usual, each year, uh, it usually kicks off with uh, more foreign missions, and in this, uh, as I mentioned before, in the, in the country of Ecuador. Uh, Tactica has been privileged to partner with um, a on-site missionary there, uh, his name is Jeff Duvall and his wife, and they've been faithfully slugging it out there in Ecuador. Uh, and they help with uh, facilitating some of the work and, of course, the discipleship that has to happen after your short-term mission teams leave. Um, short-term missions, really, if you, if you been, haven't been part of it, please consider it. It will change your life. But the easy part is you get to go home, and the real work begins after these teams leave, and people need to be plugged into churches, and discipleship continues. And uh, Jeff and his wife uh, there have been doing that along with many other missionaries in Ecuador. So this is a week-long course. Um, again, national leadership, three uh, upper-end units at their base that sits at 10,000 feet above sea level. Um, red shirts uh, will be representative of U.S. officers. So U.S. officers were allowed into the country of Ecuador uh, as training cadre and uh, were able to conduct this course. Um, lots of things going on here. Uh, the lower... Right-hand corner, I believe, on your screen is a group of officers being led by a U.S. officer as they uh, do their morning devotionals through the, um, the devotional that I mentioned before. We also hand out uh, Spanish Bibles, uh, Bibles that are written specifically in Spanish, and uh, each one of them get one of those for the course as well. Uh, after that, uh, Ryan was asked to uh, be in support of, not necessarily lead the training for a mountain survival and wilderness medicine course back in Costa Rica. Uh, there's lots of mountainous areas um, and uh, a lot of uh, people uh, in distress or with mudslides and the rains need help. And a lot of times it's only via helicopter or people who have been trained specifically to conduct operations in the mountains. Uh, here is Ryan uh, packing the Tactica Ministries trailer full of all kinds of provisions and armloads, again, of the Tactica Bibles to uh, give them. Um, just a couple of glimpses there, lots of activities I don't have time to go into, but uh, you can see uh, lots of good things. Here's one dispatch that had come from Ryan. Um, the uh, cell phone coverage, of course, is really spotty in the mountains, so 
in the middle of the night, 4.30 in the morning, which is probably the only spare time that he had, uh, he hiked in the rain to the uh, top of one of these mountains in order to uh, send this uh, quick note to his wife, Gretchen. It's been incredible to uh, be able to share God's Word here. The weather's awful. We had rain and hypothermia scare, uh, so people are suffering up there. Many came to me privately today uh, after the devotion I shared in Psalm 69. There's no signal anywhere, so I got to hike up to this mountain, and uh, it's crazy. I'm getting soaked as I text you, and God is always at work, and once again, I stand in awe uh, of what God does um, in his ministry there. Uh, this brings us to November, and we'll close the next slide, but uh, just a, a beautiful sunset over the city of San Jose, uh, the ministry center sign there you can see, and um, just a blessing that God is uh, in control, and it's much like our, our sunsets here in Michigan. Um, therefore, we are taking uh, a quick deep breath uh, tonight there in November, um, our missionary friends in Costa Rica. So as usual, uh, we've got a few things to share here as far as the current needs and challenges that are ahead. Of course, prayer warriors are always Welcome, and if you're interested more in this ministry, please see me at the table uh, after the service, and uh, I can give you specifics on what, what prayer requests, but here's just a little snapshot of what's going on. Um, they are currently also $950 short in uh, their monthly support, uh, so if you feel led, uh, of course, uh, that would be a blessing. Uh, daily ministry um, continues, and uh, there is continual meetings with government officials, it's an open-door policy there at Tactica Ministries, and the word is out. You get a free meal or a cup of coffee, some wise counsel, and always uh, words of encouragement and truth from God's word anytime that you stop in. So uh, the Rots have always said, if you need something, you come see us. And there's couches and coffee, and it's wonderful. Uh, of course, seeking the Lord's direction in 2022 and beyond, Costa Rica has uh, implemented a vaccination mandate, and some pretty tight restrictions on travel. Uh, anyone entering the country needs to prove that you, in fact, are vaccinated. And uh, so that is going to be a very difficult situation for an upcoming five-month-long course that we had described um, in bringing officers down. As of right now, it's not, it's not going to happen like they want it to happen. Uh, so please be in prayer for the upcoming challenges in 2022 so that Ministry can continue, and where God, of course, we know, closes the door or window, he opens something else for us to walk through uh, by faith. And, uh, and, of course, that includes the mission teams. Um, the Rock girls, uh, as I mentioned, are enrolled here in the U.S., so uh, the Rocks are officially empty nesters, and I would pr uh, really appreciate, they would appreciate uh, prayers for their daughters uh, here in the U.S. as they are in Costa Rica separated from them. So parents in the room know that that can be difficult. But uh, thank you. That's our update for, for Tactica. If you want uh, any, have any questions, please see me in the back after the service. Thank you. And to start that off, uh, we have a video presentation.
teaching God's word can change and will change kids if they desire to. And we have a privilege to do that with Release Time Bible Class. We share the gospel and basic Bible truths with kids that have never heard that before. And we do that through our Release Time Bible Class. We're connecting with kids that have never been to church in their life, don't even own a Bible. Okay, let me come back to that in a minute. But also, as summer comes around, we have Vacation Bible School. And I, I, I get to connect with those kids again. So it's not, I just, I see them for a brief time. But then I also get to see them again during Vacation Bible School. And I think they do that very well. I can encourage them to attend Vacation Bible School. So I think it gives me the opportunity to somewhat become a mentor to them, uh, somewhat maybe even a role model. I'm Tim Cornish. I build all the visual aids here at RBM. And um, one of the things that keeps me going is when I go out and I'm teaching a release time class or VBS and using the stuff that I make, when you see their eyes light up and they begin to understand the spiritual truth and then spend time and seriously pray and talk to God about needing to be saved. Uh, you can't put a price tag on that. The reason that I keep doing what I'm doing, the reason I started doing it in the first place, is the urgency that I feel to reach this generation of boys and girls. Um, I just believe that if we don't really reach these boys and girls, we're going to have this whole generation just lost. And um, I felt that anything else I might do with my time would not have nearly the value that it has to reach boys and girls with the gospel. After Joshua died, the next generation grew up and didn't know the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. What a sad verse. I don't want the next generation here to grow up and not know what God has done for us. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Messing with the sound guy. That's bad news. He could shut me off at any time. <laughs> All right. Well, we are glad to be back here again. We always enjoy coming back to Oakwood and, and uh, fellowshipping with you guys and seeing your smiling faces. It's, it's an encouragement to us. So uh, we also want you to know that we appreciate your prayer and financial support for us and also for RBM Ministries. And the church supports us and some of you as individuals support us as well. And and uh, that's really been a blessing to us through, the, through our years of ministry. Uh, and so we thank you for that. I do look forward to sharing from God's Word this morning. Uh, before I do that, I want to give a little bit of a ministry update so you know what's going on with RBM. Uh, a lot of things to discuss there. But first, I want to give you just a brief update on our family. Uh, I think last time I spoke, we had, of course, we have our four sons, but we had one grandson. We now are up to four grandsons, so we're excited about that. Uh, people keep telling us, don't worry, you'll have a granddaughter someday. Uh, we're not worried about that. We're very happy to have grandsons. Uh, the only way we get daughters in the, to, into the family is to have them marry in. And so we do have uh, one more uh, marriage that took place just about a month ago. And so we have a, a new daughter-in-law, and we're 
very thankful for her and actually got to see her uh, and our son yesterday down in Indianapolis. So that was a special treat for us. Um, Ministry-wise, we have thoroughly enjoyed serving with RBM Ministries. Um, I should point out that RBM in RBM Ministries stands for Rural Bible Mission, and um, uh, that we used to be primarily rural. Now we are still rural, but we also go into the cities as well, and we share the good news of Jesus Christ. And we do that by, by going to the schools and taking children from the schools into a, a location close by like a church, and we most of the time it's a church, and we share the gospel with them. We share some truth for discipleship for those young believers, and then we take them back to the school. And uh, in Michigan, I've explained this before, but for those of you who haven't heard, Michigan has a law that says if a parent signs a permission form, their child must be released from school for up to two hours per week for religious education. That's the law. And we do that for about an hour and a half once a month in these schools, and uh, we enjoy doing that, and, and it's been a real blessing. Uh, we've uh, uh, been able to do that throughout St. Joe County for the last three years, and uh, and Michigan, see, RBM does this in all many counties across Michigan and actually a little bit of northern Ohio. So we're primarily Michigan-based, but get into a little bit extra there as well. Prior to the school closing last year, you may remember, we were doing 18 release time classes in three chapels and reaching about 600 kids per month. Uh, and it's just it's such an excitement for us, and we enjoy the volunteers, especially the children, and just seeing how God was blessing our efforts in that. Not long after we joined RBM, the director of RBM, Bob Goodenough, announced that he was planning his retirement. It would be a couple years out. Well, that couple years out was July 31st of this year. And uh, so we began praying that the Lord would provide a new director. We really appreciated Bob and, and uh, the ministry, and so we began praying about that. And then about a year ago or so, uh, the Lord had on, uh, seemed to be speaking to me and saying, Scott, are you willing to serve? What about you? And uh, when he asked if I was willing to serve, my first response was basically no. <laughs> but, uh, but as uh, we began praying about that, Sharon and I began talking about it. Uh, the reason I would say no is we have such a passion to reach children. We love working with the kids, and it just it, uh, gives us our energy and those types of things. Uh, but we also recognize that God doesn't always call us to do our very favorite thing to do. He calls us for what he's equipped us to do and allows us to serve him. And so as we began to pray about obedience to the Lord and what's he asking us to do this, we spent a fair amount of time in prayer about that. Well, then two different missionary, two different people associated with RBM approached me separately and asked if I would seriously consider praying about putting my name in as someone to be considered. And I didn't want to tell them I was already praying about it, but I told them, yes, I would do that. So, uh, well... Uh, as time went on, uh, we did ask Bob to pray for us as well, uh, and, then, and we could see how God had done a lot of things to prepare us with our ministry with CEF and being a local director and working with children and working with volunteers and all of these things. Uh, and so uh, we did uh, say that they could go ahead and, and consider me for the position, and uh, after we met with the RBM board back in January, I was offered the position, we accepted, uh, and I began my, began my new role uh, October 1st, so about three months ago or so. Uh, what did I say? October. Let's try August. Thank you. That's why God gave me such a good wife, because I need one. So, All right, August 1st. Uh, and, uh, and, and no surprise to us, RBM is a great ministry, and we knew that going into it. Uh, and they've done a good job of keeping up with, with uh, the changing times. They've done a great job of staying true to God's Word. 
And so we want to do more of the keeping up with the changing times without backing off at all of maintaining our solid biblical foundation. Uh, and we've done some things. Uh, we want to look at updating some of our songs, our visuals, our website. We actually do have a brand new website, uh, and uh, we got that going uh, just a few weeks ago. Um, and uh, so you can check that out if you want. It's rbmministries.org. Um, and it actually works on a cell phone now, too. So we are up with the times. So, All right, but I've been very thankful for that, and we actually were able to bring it in-house as well. Um, many people have asked, uh, where is this RBM? We hear about it. Where is it located? So I've given a map to you. It's in the, it's in the northwest corner of Kalamazoo County, uh, or Kalamazoo, up uh, north of Kalamazoo there, uh, where F Avenue and Ravine Road meet. Uh, and as you'll notice from these pictures, it's got a beautiful setting uh, nestled in the woods, um, and uh, it's a great, kind of overlooks a little lake there too, but uh, uh, people have asked me, what goes on in the office? Many churches partner with us and do release time Bible classes, and they host those, and they say, we know what your missionaries do, but what goes on in the office? So you guys get an inside peek at this, um, and so as you drive in here, uh, this is our main lobby, and then we have uh, people that are there, these, uh, we have about six staff members who stay busy preparing the tools and the resources needed by our 14 or so missionaries uh, so that these missionaries can effectively reach children uh, all across the state. Uh, and so they can also stay in contact, these missionaries can stay in contact with their supporters. So uh, Carrie is, whoops, sorry Carrie, if you'll forgive me. Uh, Carrie is a business office assistant and she keeps up with our database, uh, prepares our missionary letters for printing and she takes care of our mailings. Lori is the bookkeeper and she also takes care of payroll for us uh, and other financial matters and is our receptionist. Then we have an artist, his name is Santiago, very talented artist, he's self-taught, uh, very gifted by the Lord, uh, and he does the, uh, the pencil drawings or the line drawings for us, either on paper or on his think uh, pad, and um, he, when he gets those done, they go to Rich, who's our graphic artist, and he's also our print shop manager. Rich gets to color all day. He takes the line drawings that uh, Santiago does, and then he puts some color onto them and makes them come alive. Santiago could do this as well, but as far as workflow, it works better for them to, to share that responsibility. So, uh, so Rich does that for us. He's also the one who took care of all the technical details uh, and the visual appeal of our new website, so I really appreciate him and what he's done. He also runs a print shop, and uh, we've got some new equipment lately that allows us to run um, all of our things for the children as well as all the things that we do in our mailings. Um, he um, does our take-home papers for us. We recently got a brand new machine which allows us to print decals about two feet wide. As long as you want, we can print a decal now. We used to take our, we would make our visuals out of wood, which we still do, and sometimes a heavy cardboard, or, I mean a heavy plastic, uh, and we would screen print those, which is very labor intensive. With this machine, we print out a decal that we can then peel off and stick on there, and we do in a couple of hours what used to take us months to do. And so that's allowing us to have a lot more flexibility so we have a much better chance of saying, now we can update these visuals in a realistic fashion and, and get caught up with some things. And so I'm very excited about that. Um, our previous uh, visual aid manager, Tim, has served on our editorial team in the past, and he's just recently become our curriculum editor and our production manager. Uh, and because he's changed roles, we had to replace him as the visual aids manager, and that's where Austin comes in. Uh, we recently hired Austin. He's being trained to run the visual aids department, and he's going to be responsible for producing and maintaining all 22,000 of our props, our visuals, uh, and our displays. And so uh, some quick slides here that show that we do design and build all our own visuals. We make our own boxes for the visuals, and we make sure everything's ready for the missionaries, uh, and then we store them in our warehouse, uh, and all of this, again, is up on F Avenue. 
And so it, it, there's a lot that goes on up there. You're welcome to visit. We have volunteers, some from this church, who have come to help us with mailing. Some people help in our wood shop and those kinds of things. So if you're interested in serving in that way, uh, we love to have volunteers come and work. Um, since Bob retired, his wife retired with him, and she was our copy editor. Well, the Lord is good in his timing and, and blessings. Sharon is very gifted in that area as well, and so Sharon is serving as our volunteer copy editor, uh, and we appreciate her serving in that role. Um, I've done this presentation before, and I get done, and people say, okay, but what do you do? <laughs> okay, <laughs> so here's what I do. I think I'm responsible for everything that goes wrong. That's, that's the short version of it. Uh, the longer version, I deal with setting up budgets and goals, overseeing things such as the curriculum, the website, visual aids, the buses and the facilities, and there are other people that help in these areas. Don't think I'm doing all this myself. Um, we also, I take care of the legal issues that come up with the schools, and we have an attorney that works with us, um, and then also directing staff members and the missionaries um, as we serve together. As we speak of the missionaries, we have two or three missionaries that have or will retire uh, by the end of this year. Uh, and so, but we also have a new missionary who's going to uh, fill in for one or take the role of one of those. And this young man's name is Caleb, and uh, we're very thankful for him. He spent time out in the field. He did some vacation Bible schools and stuff, uh, very well received. He's in the home office now getting additional training on, on how to uh, do support raising, how to build relationships with people, and how to keep up with them and do support letters and those kinds of things, amongst other things. Plus, he's helping Sharon and I and other area missionaries around Kalamazoo County as we do release time Bible classes. I mentioned that Sharon and I are doing, slightly mentioned that, but we're doing release time Bible classes. We are actually doing two classes uh, because we are so burdened for what happens now in primarily St. Joe County where most of our ministry was. Where, what are we going to do with those children? And so our heart breaks for them. And so we have chosen one school that we can reach a lot of kids back to back. So we do two classes the younger kids and then the older kids. The older kids go all the way up to eighth grade because it's a largely Amish school as well. Uh, but in that class, we are reaching those two classes combined. Uh, we had our first class last Monday and reached 91 children. And it was good to see their smiley faces again and connect with them. They're about almost two years older than when we saw them last. But, but uh, it's pretty neat to, to do that. We're also training one, uh, two other volunteers that are planning to uh, volunteer to teach in release time classes. So we're providing the props and materials and everything we can and mentoring them at this time, and hopefully three more classes will, will be starting, this well, two more this coming week, and we've got another one that we're working with the school on. But, but we're excited about that, but we're also praying that God would provide a full-time missionary for that area. And um, yes, if God's prompting you, please respond. Don't tell him no, and you can come talk to me as well if you'd like, and I'll uh, see what we can do. But, but uh, more uh, closely to you, there are actually opportunities in Kalamazoo if you'd like to help out in some release time Bible class uh, classes around this county. Uh, and even be a lead teacher, we certainly would welcome you to uh, consider that and to get in touch with us. So, um, as we think about the uncertainty in our world right now for us, and what, what happens if the schools say no, and what happens if we have to get vaccinated, or what happens if we can't get replacement missionaries, what, what does the future hold for us as a ministry and for us as a couple, I guess? Uh, and you guys may be thinking too, what about what's going on in the world around us? There's a lot of, lot of pressures, a lot of tensions, and uh, a lot of people having a hard time getting along with one another. And you might say, what is, what is my role in the midst of all of this? Should I be outspoken? Should I just humbly serve God here? Is there a balance? Is there a right or wrong to this? And so as you look at those things, um, then you might say, what has God expected me in these times? And I'd like you to turn with, your bio, with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 5. 
Verse 10 is where I'm going to start, and we'll lead into our theme verse for the missions conference, actually. I'm in the New American Standard uh, Bible, um, older version, so I may not have all the same words your NASB has either, but, but uh, I'll go ahead and read starting at verse 10. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how will it be made salty again? It is good for nothing anymore except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do men light a lamp to put it under a peck measure or a bushel or barrel, uh, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Christ makes it very clear that we're blessed if we're being persecuted for doing what is right. He also makes it clear that we're to be salt and light in this world of darkness. Verse 16 tells us, that we should let our light shine before men in such a way that they see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. So it's not about us looking good or us drawing attention to ourselves. Everything we do should be to glorify God. Psalm 46.10 is a familiar verse to many of us. The part we talk about the most is, Be still and know that I am God. And I try to remind myself of that. Slow down. Be still and know that I am God. But there's more to it than just that. It goes on to say, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. It's almost like God is saying, when he says, be still, it's like, reflect on this. I am God, and it's all about me being glorified. And so that spoke to me as I studied that. It was true when God said it, and it's still true today. Uh, and so there's more to say about what it means to glorify God and to let our light shine. But I want to backtrack just a little bit and talk about where does this light come from. And so we'll go back to the beginning, Genesis 1, chapter 3. God says this, God said, let there be light, and there was light. He spoke, and there was light. Now, uh, this, this took place before he created the sun. The sun was created on day four. So God didn't say, let there be light, and boom, the sun appeared. He provided the light, because he's the source of all light. Um, and so... Uh, he's been using his light to guide man for a long time. In fact, we're going to do kind of a quick run through Scripture on a few verses here. When the Israelites were leaving Egypt, God used uh, the cloud to lead them in the day and the light by night. In fact, Exodus 13:21 says, And the Lord was going on before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way, and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light that they might travel by day and night. Then Numbers 9:16 says, uh, referring to the same time frame, so it was continuously. The cloud would cover the tabernacle by day and the appearance of fire by night, and they followed as God led them along. Uh, in the New Testament, John chapter 8, it says, Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. The um, he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. Going on to Revelation, the Son of God has eyes like a flame of fire. You see the fire and the light synonymous there. In Matthew 3.11, John the Baptist proclaimed that Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Uh, and fire. It gets better than that even. In Acts chapter 2, 
referring to the day of Pentecost, it says, And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to proclaim, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. So do you catch that? In Numbers 9, God appeared as fire to lead the Israelites. And then in Acts chapter 2, God the Holy Spirit appeared as fire to lead the disciples and to guide them. In the Old Testament, though, if you think about it, God chose to use the light and to show his presence in one place. There was the light and we could follow him. In the New Testament, God has chosen to give his light to us through the Holy Spirit. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit lives inside you. You have that light in you, and that's the only way that we can shine that. We'll talk about that just for, in just a minute here. Uh, and so uh, as we think about that, going to back to where we started, Jesus is the light of the world, and he tells us to let our light shine before men in such a way that they see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. So it's, it's, it's pretty clear as we're shining our light, it's not our light. It's more like when, we, when the moon is reflecting the sun. We are to reflect God's light as we're shining our light. And so um, it's important to remember that Jesus is the source of light. We cannot reflect his light unless we're receiving it from him. And you might say, well, how do I get this light? Well, the first step is to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Without Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't have the light. And to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, the first thing that you need to do is be honest with God and admit that you've sinned. Admit that you are not good enough to earn your way to heaven. Nobody is. And then you can uh, believe, tell God that you believe that Jesus Christ died to take that punishment for your sins. He rose again and offers eternal life. And you believe that and you receive that eternal life. And when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you receive the Holy Spirit. And that light comes to, to live inside you, and then you can shine the light. So as we go through this, obviously we're talking to believers about shining the light. The second step is to spend time in prayer and meditating on God's Word. If we want to know how to grow in our walk with God, we need to spend time talking to God himself through prayer and through reading his Word and meditating on it. Um, in the parable of the, in the, the, parable of the uh, ten virgins, we learn that the five of the virgins were wise, five were foolish. The foolish ones were the ones that brought their lamp. They had their light, but they didn't have the flask of oil to refill their light. And their lamps went dead before the bridegroom arrived. And, that, and much like today, if we don't plug our phones in or our other rechargeable batteries, we don't have our light, do we? We don't have that source of, of light. And so... Um, so it's important for us to remember that we need to be plugged in. That, that passage finishes with this about the virgins. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. So we need to be on the alert. We, alert. we need to be ready at all times. And so um, to do that, we need to be spiritually charged. Again, the first step is trusting Jesus as your Savior. The next step is, again, spending time in prayer and meditating on God's Word. Um, Hezekiah was king of Judah before the Israelites were taken into captivity. And he did many things uh, throughout his 14 years of king that honored God and praised God. In fact, Scripture says that he did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. He trusted the Lord, the God of Israel, so that after him there was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor among those who were before him. 
He'd and so uh, he had done things like restoring the temple, the worship at the temple, challenging sinners to repent and submit to God. He had to, them destroy false idols uh, so that they could worship the one true God. And he was a prayer warrior, not only when the Assyrians attacked and, and uh, insulted God, and Hezekiah prayed and said, God, for your name's sake, take care of Sennacherib and his army. And they were wiped out. And Sennacherib basically went back by himself because his soldiers died overnight. Um, and so he did that. He also prayed. At one point, Isaiah said, God tells, uh, tells me, you are going to die from this. He had a, basically an infection through his body, we think. But he had an illness going on. And God said, you're going to die. And Hezekiah prayed to God and said, God, please remember all I've done. Now, we can't bargain with God. We know that. God knows what is right and everything's for his glory. But in this case, God listened to Hezekiah's prayer. And God told Isaiah, essentially, turn around, don't leave the, the palace yet. Come back and let him know he's going to get 15 more years of life. And so Hezekiah was pleased with that, uh, and he thanked God for that. Um, but then, sadly, not long after that, he had some visitors from Babylon that came to see him. When they came to see him, they, he showed them everything he had. He said, let me show you all this great stuff I have. And he showed the money, the, the beauty of the, the city, all its possessions. And Isaiah um, came back and said, who were those people? The short version of it is, those people were spies, we know that. But when Hezekiah talked to them, there's not one mention of any reference to God, anything about God's blessing, anything about giving glory to God. In fact, the only thing we read about that time frame is Second Chronicles that says, Hezekiah gave no return for the benefit he received, no recognition, because his heart was proud. Therefore, wrath came on him uh, and on Judah and Jerusalem. God punished Hezekiah for his pride. The problem was Hezekiah was shining his light on himself instead of God. And so we need to be careful about that in our own lives. Uh, and the result was God gave Jerusalem over to the Babylonians, and they were in captivity for 70 years. And during that time, Hezekiah's sons became slaves to the Babylonians as well. And so it's important for us uh, to give glory to God in our lives, but we should also make sure that our light is leading people down the right path. Some of you have heard of people in, in storms. Here it's mostly heavy fog or heavy rain. In Arizona, it's heavy dust storms. Uh, but you can't go down the highway because you can't see where you're going. So people pull off the side of the road sometimes, which can be dangerous in itself. But when people put their, emergency, or put their brake or their foot on the brake pedal, they make that mistake and they're resting their foot on the brake pedal. And what happens? Another car is coming along and they're trying to find the road and they say, oh, I'll just follow that car in front of me. Oh, sorry to wake some of you up. <laughs> All right. But because of somebody's mistake, they've misled somebody down the wrong path. And my prayer is that I wouldn't make mistakes in my life that are going to lead people down the wrong path in their spiritual walk or as they're learning to, to learn about God. Making a mistake like that is one thing, but we can also totally derail, derail people sometimes. And so, um, I'll get to that next. Um, when Sharon was a teenager, she and her uh, dad and some of his ball team went on a hike down the Grand Canyon. And um, they went at night because it's so hot and, uh, and it's, a it's a difficult climb that they went at night where it was cooler. And as you go down, you don't just walk down these steps down the Grand Canyon. You walk down these trails that are sometimes fairly narrow and you're walking what's called switchbacks. You're walking almost horizontal and then you turn and you walk almost horizontal, just gradually descending and you might see where you were last time. And it takes a long time to get down to do that. Uh, well, as they were doing that at night, they heard some horses coming up, uh, some wild horses coming up from, from down below. 
Um, and as they did, all the, all the guys stood up against the wall, thankfully, got to the right side of the canyon, and they let the horses go by. One of the boys in the group, as one of the horses was going by, turned his flashlight on and shined it in the eyes of that horse. And that horse panicked, and it stumbled. One mistake, and that horse tumbled to its death down that canyon. They actually, the troop found it later, and it was near death, and they had some of the Indians kill the horse for them. Um, but that's a tragedy. And I think, how many times do we as Christians, in our, sometimes our pious attitude, our, our Pharisaic approach to life, we shine the light in someone's face because they're screwing up. They're doing something wrong. When in the, at that moment, we should have been maybe extending a hand and a caring heart to say, hey, let me talk to you about that. You know, I don't have the answers, but we can do it in a loving way instead of shining that light in someone's face. So it's important that that light shines down the path. Again, we need to trust Christ as our Savior, spend time in prayer and meditate on God's Word, and let Him change you. And I'm going to repeat that because that's important. Uh, this is, spiritual growth is great in the church, but a lot of it has to happen in your own quiet time. And I would encourage you, when you get up in the morning, I try to make a habit of this, if I'm going to turn my computer on and see what's going on in the world or check my phone and see what's going on in the world, I need to stop first and say, God, what are, what's going on in your life? What, are you, what do you want me to know? I want to communicate with you before I communicate with everybody else. And so I would challenge you that. It's not always easy to stop and have a quiet time, but if you're starting to get on the computer or your phone, it's a good reminder. And sometimes I'll admit, Saturdays I get up and going and I forget to have my quiet time and I didn't get on my computer. I mean, these things happen. But, but try to have that time with God because God wants that relationship with you. He wants you to grow, meditating on his word. So... Um, I've mentioned this several times for that. Um, I'd like to challenge you, in fact, this afternoon, as you think about when you go home today, if you, whoops, I got ahead of myself. As you go home today, as you read this, as I, as I read this verse, Matthew, the verse, our, our verse is in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5 starts the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, and then Christ challenged to shine your light. And then the next few chapters, you know, 5 through 7, it talks about different ways. Christ is talking to the disciples about how to shine your light, different attitudes, different actions. And so I encourage you when you get home this afternoon, spend a few minutes and read those three chapters, and then maybe one more time during the week to do the same thing. And just say, God, what are you speaking to me out of this passage of yours as you talk to those disciples on the hill? So I leave that with you. I want to close with an illustration I heard many years ago. Before the turn of the century, I guess I'm old enough to say that now, uh, but uh, before the turn of the century, I was at a missions conference, and I heard a missionary talking, and as I remember the story, he described that his, he, he and his family were traveling, and they had car problems. They pulled, across the, pulled off the road in the evening, and the father got out there, and he's trying to see what's going on in the engine, and he had, engine compartment, he had his son come over. He said, son, can you shine the flashlight right over here? Can you shine the flashlight for me? Sure, Dad. So the dad's working, and the son's so happy he's helping Dad. He's shining the light. He starts looking around. Son, son, I need the light over here. Oh, sorry, Dad. And this happened several times. And finally, the dad got so frustrated, he turned to his son and he said, Son, shine the light. What are you here for anyway? And that maybe wasn't the best response for a father to his son, but it's sure a good reminder that has stuck with me for over 20 years now. What are you here for anyway? And we're here to shine that light. And so, as we think about it, we remember this verse, our theme verse. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And so that's a reminder for each one of us that what we do should bring glory to God. Let's have a word of prayer.
Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the way that it can challenge us, motivate us to live our lives in a way that pleases you. I pray that you would help each one of us to just be passionate about shining your light, shining the light that you've given us to shine with other people in such a way that it brings you glory in all that we do. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Scott. Well, as we wrap up our missions conference uh, this morning, uh, it's been a, a great uh, two, uh, two Sundays as we've explored some of the missionaries that we've been supporting uh, for quite some time. By way of a reminder in terms of uh, the mission that we're called to, in terms of shining the light to the world, do we call it Jesus' ascension right before he rose? There was a moment where the disciples had a question for him, for Jesus, and they said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. It's uh, interesting that uh, the Lord, by way of his sovereign plan for us today, we have three mission agencies and personnel who are representing basically the local idea of missions, Jerusalem, uh, regional, we've got uh, coverage for Samaria and Judea, and of course to the ends of the world. Locally we have uh, H2O Church with Annalisa Kelly and uh, the campus of Western Michigan. Regionally we have the Gilbertsons with their work in, in Michigan here with RBM, and of course uh, Tactica Ministries with uh, Tim Peterson and Rots. I don't know if you understand the import of how amazing the Tactica ministry is with what's going on in Costa Rica, but the Costa Rica government is giving permission to Christian police force personnel to go in and to train their police force. That's amazing. That's not normal, right? That doesn't happen anywhere on the planet, and we can participate in that. Which brings us to this last discussion piece, this little bitty brochure you have in your program materials that you received this morning, uh, how we're going to shine the light here. As we've mentioned, if you open up this first flap, in terms of this faith promise we were talking about from last week and this week, my faith promise commitment is my opportunity to give by faith above my tithe for the cause of world evangelism. Again, this is how we can shine our light. Our budget for the year is around $75,000. It's already in place, and we're in the process of moving uh, that line item, budget item, out to a free will offering by this congregation, hopefully over and above what we normally give to the church. And in so doing, we're challenging everyone in our congregation to take a look at this, and by way of opening it up, it says, in dependence upon God over the next year, I will endeavor to give the amount noted below to the missionary work for our, of our church. In all likelihood, if we all participate, if we tithe off our tithe, if you will, uh, I think we'll be able to go well over the 75000 that we've already got in our budget. And over time, next year, we can start to take that out of our budget because we'll be funding it separately with our separate missions account. So if you'd be kind enough to put a, an amount that you'd like to prayerfully consider before God, how often will you give it in your age group? And then on the right side is a, a place where you can put that same amount again. And that's your reminder where you take this off and tear it off. And you put this in your purse, in your wallet, on the fridge, whatever it will help remind you of your commitment for what you're going to give. 
and then take this that you filled in, the little twofold, take that and put that in the box on your way out today. I encourage you to do this so the missions team can understand and have an idea how much that we're going to have available to us to give to missions in the coming year. So with that, I thank you so much for uh, coming and being a part of this. And I think if you get a chance to talk to these missionaries uh, after the service, they'll be at the tables uh, out back. But uh, let's stand for our closing prayer. Would you please stand with me? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we are, are just overwhelmed with the prospect and the idea that you would be willing to use even us to touch hearts and lives of people not only in our own community by way of Western Michigan University or regionally with children in the public schools or globally in Costa Rica and Ecuador. And Lord, just a little bit of what we do here can make such a huge difference, even in the life of one person by your grace. And so Lord, we long to be used by you. And Lord, we long to be good stewards of the resources that you provided for our ministry here locally as a church, but also locally, regionally, globally as a mission-sending church. Lord, the strength and power of the church is not how much is given or how many come. It's our sending power. To what degree are we sending missionaries out into the world to touch hearts and lives for the truth of the gospel? And Lord, we long to be used by you for those purposes. So Lord, as we prayerfully consider what we might do, what we might promise, as we make a, a commitment be- between ourselves and you, there's no name on this thing, just a discussion between ourselves and you with what we would do. So Lord, guide us, direct us in what would be good and right in your eyes. Lord, thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this, uh, the privilege we have now to go from this place to, to shine the light. May we be used by you to not shine in somebody's face, but to shine on their heart. Show them the truth of the gospel and your incredible love for us and the forgiveness that's found through faith in Christ. Thank you, Lord. We give you all the praise. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you so much for coming. Have a fantastic day.